0: Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast, live again from the 2018 North American Auto Show. The North American International Auto Show, that's the right name for it. I'm here with Benjamin Hunting, who's laughing at my pronunciation of literally every word
1: I've made. Ben, say hi to the people. Hello everybody, and when Sammy says again, he's referring to our Silverado live podcast that we did Saturday, which was a pre-auto show event that apparently had a lot of audio issues in it when it was uploaded to the site. So, We apologize for that, and we've taken care of the problem, so you won't have those issues today with this podcast. What we're going to do, like we did with the LA Auto Show, we'll stop at each of the main cars that we
0: think are interesting here at the show, and we've started today at Ford. And I've chosen Ford because, well, I just like Mustangs. Ben, this year, they're showing us a new version of the Mustang GT. It's called the Bullet, to coincide with the 50th anniversary of the Steve McQueen movie, where he literally said nothing.
1: He, he said nothing. He did a lot of weird, moody stuff. The camera lingered a little too long. Bullet is not a good movie, but it does have the best car chase or one of the top five car chases of all time that was ever committed to celluloid. So Ford, this is the third time Ford has celebrated the Bullet Mustang. The first was in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Then they did another one around, two, I want to say 2008, 2009. When yeah, was, with but, the last generation model. Yes. And it's, so it's been quite a while, almost 10 years, I, would, I think, since we last had a fresh Bullet. And this one is pretty cool. I mean, it makes more power. It makes
0: at least 475 horsepower and 420 pound-feet of torque. They didn't give me a specific uh, output. It's only available with a manual transmission. Uh, and that shift knob, is a is, it looks like a cue ball. Which yeah, is it great. has, the,
1: has the, white, the white shifter on it.
0: Yeah. Do you think it still has a shift pattern, or does it have chalk I haven't uh, even looked inside. It, it's hard it. to get near the
1: car. There's only one of them here, and it's up on a display. Right now, uh, Steve McQueen's granddaughter is doing some type of press function near it, so we can't get too close. But um, the, the extra power comes from larger throttle bodies and an intake manifold taken from the GT350, which is interesting considering they're totally different motors. But um, the car also has uh, no Ford badging on it. it, has a bullet badge on the back, which, I don't know, the, the bullet badge is kind of weird. But I do like the cleaner look of the no badging. It has a, it's in highland green, or I think it's called shadow black. Those are yep. two colors you can get it in. And it has a, a, a gas cap, like a physical, ga- physical gas cap. It has a gas cap that doesn't have a cover. It's like get one of those flip-up gas caps, like you would see on every Challenger. So it's all, <laughs> it's all an homage to the original car. One of the original cars is here, too. Yeah,
0: a 1968 model. Now, I don't know a lot about these things, what about you, man? About cars, Sammy? about About 1968 Fastback It has Mustang. a 390
1: and a 4-speed. It's one of the cars, one of the hero cars they use in the movie. There are apparently two that survived. One of them is this car, which was apparently... I keep saying apparently. What's up with that? It was hidden by a family that's owned it since 1974 because they got tired of the press attention they were getting or fans trying to get at the car, so they basically made it go away. Uh, and there's another one that's in Mexico that was used, I believe, in the Chase part of the chase where it was being slammed into by the Charger, so it's got some damage. The one that they brought here, though, has no damage. It's unrestored, but it's it's in relatively clean condition.
0: Ford is actually doing a really fun um, movie theme here with the with the bullet. They can um, put you in
1: a tr- teaser trailer with the new model, and it's, uh, it's a little gimmicky, but it's kind of fun. And if you want to see what that poster looks like, we're going to be posting Sammy's version of the poster onto the Facebook page. Uh, let's just say that his name is Too Mighty for the, the poster format.
0: But uh, now that we're done talking about the, the Bullet, we can actually transition into another Ford product that's being shown off here. Uh, this is the Ranger. And it's kind of based on the international model. Kind of. It's almost identical. There are a few changes for the no- North American model. It uses a 2.3 liter 4-cylinder EcoBoost that's made it to a 10-speed automatic transmission. I don't have any specific output figures here. And I know that it's going to be coming in Super Crew and Super Cab
1: body styles. Now I would assume that, given that engine is shared with a number of other Ford products, we're probably looking at around 310 horsepower at the max, mm-hmm. and a decent amount of torque. What surprises me about this vehicle? A couple of things, to be honest. First of all, there's no V6 option. Yeah. So every other midsize truck on the market comes with a V6 on the option sheet. I think there are some customers who go into a truck dealership and they buy cylinders more than they buy power and they're going to look and see, well, you know, if I, if I wanted a turbo four, I, 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 it's not really a truck that I would get it, in. It's not the kind of thing that I don't think any other truck on the market has a turbo four cylinder.
0: I think you're right. I, I can't think of anything. I think only the the Chevy Colorado and Canyon can be had with a diesel, a turbo
1: diesel. Yeah. And so, there is
0: no engine option at all here.
1: So I think it's a missed opportunity for Ford. I don't know if... Here's, here's the thing. If you're coming back with a Ranger, which is a vehicle that was popular in its day, and um, you want to make a big splash, why come in lukewarm, which is kind of how this vehicle seems. And I'm going to back that up by saying not only is there no V6 option, but it's kind of bland to look at. Sammy disagrees with me. I think it looks clean.
0: I think it looks like how we described the, the, must, the, the new Mustang, that bullet. It looks simple, simple. It's not overdone. I also think that we might be getting fooled into thinking that Ford is just making this. When re- in reality, this car is going to debut next year in dealerships. They have a lot of time to, to to trickle out more information, more trim levels, and fancier engines and, and technologies. I would
1: love to see the 2.7 liter EcoBoost Turbo V6 in this truck. I think that would make a lot of sense. But even a 3.7 would be nice as a base model. For people who are going to be turned off by turbo because you know just because ford's done well with turbocharged v6s in the f-150 doesn't mean that same customer is going to migrate down to the ranger when they have so many other options and in fact so many other popular options this segment is exploding Mm -hmm. toyota's owned the segment for almost since the beginning of time but chevrolet and gmc are making inroads into that Mm -hmm. so ford is facing a stacked deck they have to make their best effort here And I'm not sure that what we saw or what we're seeing here in Detroit is their best effort. I think I agree with you, and I can't wait to find out more.
0: I don't think they're going to go in this half-assed, only to just say, I told you that small trucks are not good. Um, The other other thing is, this could help sell F-150s.
1: Well, yeah, but you don't want to dedicate an entire assembly line to selling F150s by producing trucks no one will buy.
0: But if it's already an F1 I mean if it's already an international model how difficult would it be to do? Well, they
1: have to produce them here in North America to avoid the chicken tax, which that's is a huge right. uh, 25%, 24% tariff that's put on any imported light duty pickups in but North this class. America, not US. So they can put them in Mexico, they can make them in Mexico. It's true, but they have to they, they can't use the same lines that they're using for the international ones. So it is an investment and I know they are making that investment here. So Ford is all in on this truck. It just doesn't feel like it yet.
0: Yeah. Let's... um, I think we're going to walk away from the Ford booth now. I just wanted to say that there really is a Ford Edge ST here. Um, They also revealed that. We don't have much to say about it that we haven't said already. It just feels like another Ford Edge Sport.
1: Well said, Sammy. We are inside the 2019, Sammy? Yep. Ram 1500. I believe this is the Rebel, which is the sort of off-road version of the truck. And Ram has kind of, I don't know, it's... The truck looks better than it did last year, in my opinion. Not that it looked bad, but they've revised the exterior. The grill on the Rebel still has that aggressive X kind of factor. Mm-hmm. But this version of the, the... All other versions of the truck, they have like a nice sleek chrome. I think it looks pretty good. The interior also very spiffy, even in the Rebel, which is not a super expensive model. But um, in terms of actual changes to the truck... The most notable, I think, is the mild hybrid system that every single version of this truck is going to get now.
0: Now, that's really important, and I can't, I, can't, I mean, it's not insignificant. Are you testing out some, some buttons over I'm here? I'm just pushing all the buttons that I can, because I can.
1: Oh, this is going to help it with fuel
0: economy? Can it even help it with some performance, right?
1: Well, here's where I think the real world and the EPA intersect and differ at the same time. So, well, I don't like those at all. I don't those like those Those are really <laughs> weird. Um, we're just touching some buttons on the steering wheel. They feel a little... little unusual but uh what ram has done is they've gone to a 48 volt electrical system for this mild hybrid thing you're going to hear that term 48 volt a lot more often with modern cars because it's a more efficient voltage to run an automotive system on most cars run 12 volt so there's a to maintain the compatibility with 12 volt systems there's a a um, converter that allows you to use a 12 volt battery to start the truck but when you're driving it now once it's underway and it's warmed up, the 48-volt system will take over the start and stop duties. So this truck will not idle. It'll it'll turn itself off when you're at a light. When you hit the gas, there's going to be assist from a small electric motor that provides something they call instant torque. And that gives you, I believe, 130 pound-feet of extra torque in the 5.7 V8, or you get, I think, 90 pound-feet of torque in the V6 version. And... When Sammy's talking about fuel mileage, I guess you're assuming that, you know, because it's not idling, because you have this extra torque available that's going to push you off the line, Mm -hmm. you're going to get better fuel mileage. I think in the real world, it's going to be negligible. I think on an EPA test cycle, yes, it will definitely give them an advantage. And I think this is a a technology that is still in its infancy for RAM, and right now you're not going to see real-world results at the fuel pump. Okay, then
0: let's talk about another thing that Ram does right with this, uh, or another thing that Ram does very differently than the rest of its competitors. Higher-end versions of this car will have a massive 12-inch touchscreen inside the vehicle, and I think that's really a standout feature that some people you can't miss it. You really can't.
1: And Uconnect's already probably the best infotainment system in the business in terms of the interface being easy to use, looking good, and, you know, there's not a ton of confusing menus. It's very, very straightforward, and you can't really say that about every car company's Toyota-Lexus version of infotainment. So, for Ram to go big with that, I'm very curious to see what that'll be like to use every day. Mm -hmm.
0: Now, now that we spend a little bit more time inside the car, though, I have to admit, a couple of the trim pieces here are... Are bewildering. I mean, there's a bajillion things going on in the door panels. There's almost six different pieces of material in there, and then the 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 buttons. On the
1: steering wheel are all one piece, so yeah, the whole, I don't like that at all. The it whole pivots thing moves the middle. when you press any of them. There's going to be so much dirt and grime that's going to get underneath these buttons, which is always a hazard in a truck. You have to think about things like dust because these are used in environments where you know you it's not it's not like you're in a, a surgical clean room. It's uh it's out on a job site. It's getting dirty. It's getting muddy, and your hands are going to be dirty too when you're steering and using these buttons.
0: On the other hand, I really like the seat upholstery. I think the leather is uh, nice and soft, and it this Rebel has like this cool mesh
1: cloth inside uh the seats and i think that's pretty neat as well so overall i think uh you know compared to the silverado that we saw on saturday the ram feel, still feels competitive but we don't really know anything about the silverado in terms of the mechanical details so it's hard to compare the what the mild hybrid brings to the table versus what silverado might have up its sleeve still mm-hmm. well what about one more thing that uh, truck buyers might want in a ram finally a damp tailgate a damp tailgate. Tell me more about that. So it won't smash when you unlock oh, it. Oh, damped, damp, not, not damp, like wet, <laughs> d- d- like damped. Same moist. Same moist. <laughs> Same moist. <laughs> um, it doesn't. <laughs> as far as I know, it doesn't have a remote control like the Silverado one does. Uh, another thing to note for 2019: there is no diesel. There is no light-duty diesel version of the Ram. Maybe the year after. This is what we have been told by some uh, insiders at Ram at Chrysler. I think it's just an issue of getting the current turbo diesel drivetrain, or when I say current, the one in the model that's on sale, recertified for the upcoming model year. Uh, but that's something that Silverado is going to have that Ram won't have anymore. And Ram's really put a lot of investment in saying, hey, we're the only light-duty diesel. So kind of an interesting development. Yeah, especially when both of the, the competitors have the diesel.
0: Um, I'm going to apologize on behalf of Ben for not knowing what the new tow ratings are on this truck. Because I, don't, I imagine they're going to get better.
1: I, you know, <laughs> Ram's bragging also that it's the longest platform in its class. So if you want to own the longest platform, this is the truck for you. So let's move on to Kia, who has the new Forte here at the auto
0: show. All right. It is just across the way. Uh, we're here at the Kia booth, like we mentioned, and they have a brand new Kia Forte. Ben, as you can see, this car has a new look, one that's kind of derived from another Kia that just debuted last year. You want to well, sum that up for me? Are you saying it looks like the Stinger? In some ways, I think it looks very much like a Stinger. That new nose looks very much like a Stinger. And they actually moved the cowl point, which is basically the where the, where the windshield meets the hood. They moved it back to give this car a more athletic appearance, basically by making the hood look longer and the rear deck look a little bit shorter, you
1: know, like a sports car. I was going to say one of the problems with a front-wheel drive car is due to packaging constraints for the drivetrain, you can't have a really long hood. And you see that in this vehicle. It, it has the Stinger cues, but it doesn't have the long rear-wheel drive hood. It doesn't have that kind of chutzpah that you would see in a traditional Grand Touring or sports car. But it does definitely have a family resemblance. I think at the rear, too, it's also a little bit less strung out, a little bit less. It's, 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 it's more truncated. Mm-hmm. Again, platform issues. Not, not a bad thing. It makes its own unique style, but at the same time, staying in the Kia family.
0: I think it looks like a great compact, especially in comparison to, you know, the Civic. The Civic is not a pretty car, and dimensionally it looks massive. And the Corolla hasn't had um, any idea what style is for the past, I don't know, 20 years. Um, both the Elantra and the Forte are some of the fanciest cars you can get in the, in the market. And this car has some interesting technology that will help it stand out in more than just style. Under the hood is a two-liter four-cylinder engine. We already had that. It can actually utilize the Atkinson cycle to be more efficient. But the big news is that this car will be equipped with a Kia-made CVT system. Kia-made CVT system? Tell me more. There's not much more I can tell you. Um, except for the fact that they paid attention to basically all the criticisms that everyone else has had about CVTs and they tried to address them. Now, we've heard this by almost every other automaker. We have a CVT that you'll like. Kia says that by giving the CVT some stepping points, they will allow it to feel more aggressive and not like a rubber band. And they've also tried to address the droning noise that comes from CVTs by having an additional transmission cover um, that will help isolate uh, or, yeah, help get rid of that noise that is associated with CVTs.
1: Well, you know, like you said, the Forte is a car that's known as having a a ton of equipment for a very affordable price i don't expect that changing with 2019 i don't really think it's a styling standout but i do think it looks good Mm -hmm. and i think when you're buying a a car that's affordable like this one if you can save money while getting something that looks decent i mean you're coming out ahead of the game you shouldn't have to settle for a car that is hideous or is boring and and this car is neither the big thing that kia wants us to share with everyone is that this will have
0: a combined fuel economy usage of uh, 35 miles per gallon all right. Let's move on. Just on the other side of Kia, there's um, their country countrymate, Hyundai. Countrymate. Yeah, I suppose. They corporate the corporate overlords. The... There you go. All right. And they have something a little bit more interesting um, than just a compact car. We're now here at uh, Veloster, where the, I mean, sorry, Hyundai, where they've introduced the new Veloster. And now I think we might differ in our opinion. I really think the Veloster is a cool, unique product, and there's not much on the market any that is like it at all and Hyundai has continued that's the asymmetrical design the really standout design that made the Veloster uh, a really interesting to look at vehicle and they've also beefed it up
1: in a number of key areas so you're saying that I don't like the Veloster because I don't think I've ever said that I just assumed that you didn't you know I'm trying to see I'm looking at it right now let's walk up to the car because I don't see the asymmetrical design you're talking about on the big screen it looks like the doors are the same like that. The reason we're, so what we're talking about is in the past, the Veloster was known for having a longer passenger side door than the driver's side door. And having, a, and having a third door. There you go. There it is. All right, so I was wrong. It wasn't a longer door. It was a third door. I'm an idiot. So it you're, is here. I wouldn't say that. There's I just you're actually looking someone at one hiding inside the car right now. Yeah. but With a li- camera. We're looking Look how at the space. There is. <laughs> we're looking at the hottest version of the Veloster, which is the Veloster N. So let, let, let's back up to this summer when I went to Korea and no one would talk to me at Kia about the N, or sorry, at Hyundai about whether N performance was coming to North America. Not even in the broadest strokes. And yet here we are in Detroit. We finally have the car. It has a turbocharged. It's a 1.6, right? I believe so. Yeah. 275 horsepower. And I think 260, 260 pound-feet of torque. Yeah, and uh, that's pound ponies. It's it's also got a N-tuned suspension. It's they've got a five driving modes. It's what, what what's the name of the driving mode selector?
0: Uh, grin. Grin inducer.
1: Grin select. I grin, think. Grin select. <laughs> So this or is, grin levels. This is Hyundai coming back to the performance party after having left with the Genesis Coupe being uh, no longer available. Mm-hmm. It will be interesting to see if they can make a dent. It will be interesting to see how many Type R buyers and Civic Si buyers and who are left out because the Type R is limited production, if they're going to come over to the Veloster and see what Hyundai has to offer. I'm very very excited and curious to one day drive this vehicle because I feel like Hyundai has been continually moving towards more interesting chassis and and better drivetrains. We talked about this on a recent podcast and this would ostensibly be the ultimate.
0: One of the most important features about this Veloster N is the tire selection. You can get this with uh, Pilot Sport Pros. I don't know. Are you asking me? Because I, I don't know. We're looking Pilot at Super the, Sports, sorry. We're looking at the tires. Pilot right Super now. Sports and
1: there's Pirelli uh, P0s. Okay. Which are pretty impressive uh, tires. And the, the regular uh, Veloster, the new Veloster, also redesigned. It has a two liter four cylinder engine yeah. now. So a little bit more
0: power there. And you can get a turbo version of uh, a 1.6, a regular non N 1.6 T. And the
1: 1.6 comes with a six speed, or a seven, six speed manual or a seven speed du- mm-hmm. dual clutch. So Hyundai is really, you know, they're, they're, they're not backing away, they're continuing to be different with the Veloster. And I think that's something cool. And regardless of what Sammy thinks of what I think of the Veloster, I know what I think and that's what's important. <laughs> well, Ben, are you impressed with this Veloster N or what? I won't know until I drive
0: it. Just on the just on the peripheral. Come on, based on what you've heard, what you see, what you see, and what Hyundai's track record has meant in terms of powertrain and uh, suspension engineering.
1: I feel like you have to, for a vehicle like this, the numbers don't tell the whole story. And it's really hard to make any kind of judgment ahead of, the, ahead of being behind the wheel and getting that experience because these cars are going to have to be an experience. It has to be a complete package. You can't just be a hot engine in a hatchback body anymore because all their competitors have moved well beyond that. All right, let's head on to the next
0: uh, automaker. I think maybe Lexus, if you want to talk about that concept there. Well, let's see what we hit on the way. Okay, cool. Okay, we're just staring at the new Lexus LF1 Limitless concept car. It's a crossover with a really gnarly grille and a body shape. How did
1: you describe it, Ben? That looks... It, it looks a lot like the old Infiniti FX, the Bionic Cheetah body style. It's got those huge fenders, the really muscular, buffed-up rear end. And uh, it's big. Like Sammy said, this thing is this thing is massive. It's limitless. I wish I could tell
0: you more about this car, but it's a concept car that is trying to preview the future direction in terms of design for Lexus. And I think that's important because Lexus has been in a flux in terms of exterior design. Some people like the new looks, and it seems like more people don't.
1: Well, you know, the other thing, too, is Lexus doesn't really have our, uh, a range-shopping SUV. They have the LX, but the LX is a dinosaur in the sense that it comes from another era when off-roading was a thing and you wanted the body on frame. And I like the LX, but I think a lot of customers are put off by the sacrifices that go with it. Like, it doesn't have an actual third-row seating. It has the fold-down seats from the side. It, It doesn't have the same amount of room you would have interior wise from uh, a unibody design like this one. So we could be seeing the LX replacement or at the very least a vehicle that will be sold alongside the LX for a while to get people who've outgrown their RX and keep them in the Lexus family. We have the RXL which Sammy is actually gesturing at right now.
0: Well, I mean, we saw the L- the RXL in LA, but the RX is limited by, you know, it's it's I don't know if you can get a $100,000 version no, of the RX. No, you would never want that. But the Maybe the LF1 is previewing a flagship
1: uh, crossover for uh, Lexus. I'd like to think so. As much as I say there are too many crossovers out there, if you're going to go in, you might as well go all in, as I've said earlier in this podcast, and really make a splash. And I think that Lexus could do that with the Limitless, particularly if they made a Bradley Cooper Special Edition that injected you with some kind of smart drug so that you would not only enjoy the vehicle more, but drive safer.
0: And not to mention some Robert De Niro... Um words of caution. Yeah, what happens off. is that
1: instead of the uh, instead of having that, a regular lane departure system, <laughs> it, it's Robert Dutero's voice haranguing you for yeah, not yeah. doing the right thing. Um, we
0: can also quickly
1: talk about Toyota who
0: brought a uh, Toyota Avalon to the Detroit Auto Show. Now, this is a weird choice. I think it caught everyone a little off guard. Does the Toyota Avalon still have a place in the market today? Of course it has a place in the market, Sammy. Why don't you like the Avalon? It's a big sedan and not many people are buying mi- big mainstream Market uh,
1: mainstream-badged sedans. Okay, but if you think about the fact that that Cadillac still sells the XTS and has essentially three sedans in the same space, the XTS, the CT6, and the CTS, I think a lot of these companies, they bring these vehicles out for legacy customers, people who just buy the same big sedan over and over and over. Since these customers exist, you might as well make something for them if it doesn't cost too much to do it.
0: Well, I mean, when you mentioned Cadillac, that's a brand name that's associated with with luxury and quality. Toyota is known for, has a reputation for reliability and quality, but not quite luxury. Would you really want to spend that much on a mid on a on a large front-wheel drive sedan without any um, standout? driving dynamics or
1: technologies? It's it's a very comfortable sedan. It's not that expensive. But the other thing is, I think it scoops up people who don't want to pay more for a Lexus patch because they're practical people. Okay. So, so they get a sedan that's just as comfortable and just as big and they feel good about it and they feel good about themselves and ultimately that's important. And I wish I had that in my own life.
0: But here's what I'm going to tell you. They've adopted a design language that's been borrowed from the Toyota Camry, so it's much more aggressive and high-tech looking than before. And under the hood, there's both a hybrid and V6 option. That's also a first for Toyota, and that's Apple CarPlay support.
1: I know you're really excited about that. I could care less, but that's, that's floating your digital boat right now.
0: I think it'll appeal to a number of uh, consumers, and it means that Toyota is finally listening to people who want better uh, smartphone support. It makes sense
1: to put that in a car that millennials buy in huge quantities, like like the uh, Avalon. (laughs) You're right. It is a little weird to see it in that car,
0: but what can we say? At least they're doing something.
1: All right, let's move on, and it's going to be a surprise, so stay with us.
0: Okay, we're here at uh, Nissan's booth, just next to Infiniti's booth, where we'll be heading to next. But here at Nissan, they have a concept car. It's called the Cross Motion Concept. It's a ginormous crossover. Uh, it looked really rugged. I almost thought it was going to be an
1: X-Terra. But... Yeah, it has, we were talking about that last week, right, where it has that kind of chunky, aggressive... And It's funny, you know, they're running a huge video screen behind it because it's 2018, and there was a, a samurai dude, and I'm not saying that because it's Nissan, but it's legit a samurai dude with a huge sword, and he was slicing out the lines of the X... What's it called again? Cross Sorry? motion. Cro- I want to say X motion, but we were corrected that it's the cross motion, and we want to say it right. So it, he was slicing out the lines of the cross motion on the screen because they're that... Straight and angular. Like, it's really... It's... This is the kind of SUV that beats you up and takes your lunch money and... It really does look aggressive and tough. Takes Um, your mother out for a nice steak dinner and then leaves her with the bill.
0: It's the opposite of what I usually consider um, crossovers. I mean, crossovers have a friendly car-like look to them more often than not. And this doesn't have that. This is tough, mean, angry in every way. But on the inside, it's different, right, Sammy? It's completely
1: different on the inside.
0: It's very luxurious and
1: stylish, almost like... um, Mount Fuji or spiderwebs. Those are the two impressions we've, we've talked about.
0: Yeah. Um, and then the other element inside, there's a, a really funky uh, levitating remote control for the rear seat passengers. How does it levitate? Uh,
1: magnets, I suppose. Have you seen it in action? Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Now, um, what do you think this is saying about Nissan? Is it saying we're going to get this interior or we're going to get this exterior? Or is it saying neither of those things and it's just here because it's cool? I... You know what, after
0: pointing out just how drastic the difference between the exterior and interior design is, I think that's what they're leaning towards is that their cars won't look on the inside like they look on the outside. Well, Nissan N- 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 has a track history of, or a track record
1: of um, having concept cars that go nowhere. Yeah, they are sort of evolutionary dead ends in terms of ending up in product, which is fine because a lot of the time these are just here for styling. It's like, here's a look at what the cars will look like in the future. And we're going to talk about that at Infinity. But uh, I'm thinking, of course, about the IDX, Mm -hmm. which also had a very similar angular-like style. It was almost a throwback, but also modern at the same time. And that was sort of pegged to be the next generation of compact performance, or at least compact coupe for uh, Nissan and it didn't. It didn't happen. Nissan Despite reoriented. Despite being well well received by everyone, everyone liked it. But they reoriented their priorities. They went more of an SUV direction. And so maybe there's hope because this is an SUV. Uh, I don't. You know, with the maybe Nissan's taking another approach too, which is to wait and see how well the Bronco and the new Wrangler do, and then if there's space in that market for an aggressively shaped. 4x4 off-roader like the Xterra used to be. This is way more aggressive looking than the Xterra. Then I think the cross cross motion, am I saying that right, yep. Sammy? Cross motion? Yep. I think the cross motion might 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 have some influence on future trucks.
0: Well, we'll wait and see, just like uh, you said. Let's go to Infinity and talk about their concept car. We're here in the funky Infinity lounge. Infinity lounge, lounge forever. And uh, they have another concept car here. It's called the Q Inspiration Concept. And this, from what I understand, is actually production
1: intent in the next three years? It very well could be. We don't have an exact timeline, but this is what we've been told by some trusted people within Infiniti. What's interesting is, contrasted about what we were just talking about with Nissan, not only is the Q Inspiration a vehicle that will see the road, but this is also a vehicle that will have an undue influence on what other Infiniti's look like, even smaller ones. Because if you think about it, Infiniti's flagship vehicle which is now what what is the brand for that the q70 yeah the q70 hasn't changed in quite a while Mm -hmm. so i believe the q inspiration is going to be the q70 and then the q70 is going to call the dance for every other version of Infinity's sedans and coupes moving forward i think that's really cool and if you wanted a really good description
0: of this car it looks like a chiseled monster of a vehicle it is it's got wonderfully Sliced out headlights and features and it's got a really sleek looking body style, massive wheels. It's got a rear hinged rear door which allows us to look inside the
1: car, which is high end, and that's just saying the leaf. It's a vehicle that that makes a, a huge impression when you see it. It reminds me of, I don't know if it was last year or a couple years ago when Genesis came with their concepts, they had similarly outsized sedan proportions, and you ended up seeing a lot of that in the production cars. If Infinity can translate even 75% of what this vehicle brings to the table to a four-door sedan even in as sammy's pointed out earlier in the podcast four-door sedans of a certain size are slow sellers it's still a prestige thing for infinity which is something that they could really use something to bolster the overall image of the sedan side of their of their company
0: i think as well this car has everything that makes infinity special exterior design interior luxury and under the hood is that new vc turbo engine and it's made it to
1: a front biased all-wheel drive system which is unique for for what we're used to in a luxury car. Yeah, that is a little unusual. I don't know why you would do that. Do you have any insight as to why it's front biased? I
0: have no idea except for maybe they wanted to just make this car seem a little bit more realistic. Now, the thing that really makes me excited about this, orange accents are found throughout the interior and exterior of the car. It's way different than what I'm used to in other concept cars, which are very monochromatic or sometimes maybe almost too bright. And this is monochromatic with this flash of orange and i've never seen that in a concept car before would you say orange is one of your favorite colors i
1: think so maybe top three colors right now what are they um blue red orange all right let's move on okay we have wandered over to volkswagen which has brought us the interesting intriguing important to volkswagen jetta sedan why is the jetta so important sammy it's one of the best-selling cars in north america for the brand And it's because North Americans love them some four-door cars, or they did until recently when crossovers took over the world. So uh, another reason why this vehicle is important is because the last time that Volkswagen brought out the Jetta launch, sorry, last time they brought out a new generation Jetta, they botched the launch. They made it cheaper than it should have been. It wasn't nice as inside like it used to be. People came in looking to buy European style on a budget, and they ended up with just the budget part. (laughs) And a couple years later, Volkswagen was forced to reissue the Jetta It came with a different drivetrain. We got rid of those nasty, nasty five-cylinder engines. They were just not pleasant. We got nice, smooth turbo four-cylinders. And now Volkswagen has remembered all of those lessons and given us a somewhat larger Jetta, I believe, Mm -hmm. but one that doesn't look cheap doesn't look cheap, and
0: it's also adopting the rest of the Volkswagen lineup's platform. That's MQB underneath it. MQB. MQB. And what
1: does that mean, Sammy? Uh, modular, something. Platform. No, I don't need the German acronym translation, but just what does that mean for the Jetta? Oh, it means that it
0: shares the same platform as the Tiguan, Golf, GTI, and Atlas.
1: Wow. Yeah, that's a lot of. I don't have that many friends, <laughs> you know. And the fact that a car which can neither feel nor love. Has more family than has you. a larger posse.
0: So under the hood of this thing is a 1.4 cylinder uh, 1.4 liter four cylinder turbocharged engine that makes uh, just under 150 horsepower and 190 pound feet of torque, which is pretty impressive. And you can have that with a six speed manual. In the base model.
1: Yes. Um, as well as an eight speed automatic. So it's, uh, it's par for the course for Volkswagen. They managed to bring out a large, small car again. It's interesting because if you look at Volkswagen compared to every other car company that they're up against, there's no real mid-sized car. The Passat is kind of a weird model. It's pretty damn big inside. It's not quite full-size. It's not quite mid But more importantly, no one really buys the Passat. It is a largely ignored car, which is too bad because I like what it brings to the table. It's not competitive on price and features, but the package is nice overall. So the Jetta for Volkswagen. This is their do everything car. This is yeah. if you're a Volkswagen buyer who wants a sedan, this is what you're buying. It's not like Ford where you have a Fusion and you have a you have a. Um Help me out here, Sammy. What's the, the, the big one called that I can't remember now? The Taurus. Yes. It, you have the... the um, you're, you're doing abs. You're just staring at me. It's <laughs> what?
0: so unnerving. What you, Impala and Malibu?
1: No. It, yes. The Ford Impala and the Ford Malibu. I mean,
0: the the, the Taurus and the... The I mean, Fusion. The Fusion. You have three sedans. You the mentioned wagon, you do not have that. The, sorry, okay. not the Fusion. The Focus. Focus. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about the Jetta, as you've mentioned, it has to do everything, and it can do that thanks to so many features and options that are available for it. I mean... It can be had with a digital dash. They've gotten rid of the Fender audio system and replaced it with a Beats branded one with 400 horsepower. I think you should be happy about that. 400 horsepower? I mean, 400 watts.
1: I think you should be happy with that. Yes, because the Fender one was was honestly terrible. It wasn't really Fender. Fender just has been uh, selling its brand to a number of different companies over the last few years because they needed money. And you ended up with a audio system w- wasn't developed by fender whatsoever it just had their name on it and it did not sound great but you know seb you talk about all these options there's still only one drivetrain right there's no turbo diesels anymore volkswagen has r- renounced diesel power mm-hmm. i don't think there's a hybrid version of this yet so and we don't see a gli yet i don't think no so it's going to be interesting to see where the jetta goes next that's right and where are we going next and to wrap things up for today
0: i think we're going go to bmw and talk about their production vehicle that they showed off today right. and then we'll say goodbye and thank you for listening very right. soon
1: So we went to BMW, but Sammy made a judgment call and vetoed talking about the BMW X2 because he has some very strong feelings about it, and I'm inclined to support whatever Sammy decides to do. So we have moved on from BMW. No offense, X2. We're going to talk about the Acura RDX prototype. Is that what it's called? I think it's actually a production vehicle. I think it says prototype in giant letters. Oh, okay. Well, this seems like a really production intent
0: vehicle. It has a two-liter turbocharged four-cylinder engine under the hood that's mated to...
1: Acura's super handling all-wheel drive system. Why is that important? And first of all, uh, I just want to remind everybody, that the RDX is a crossover. And why is it important that it has this turbo and the SH all-wheel drive? Because it's a callback to what I thought was uh, an era of Acura's success.
0: That's when they were really firing on all cylinders back in the early 2000s. All four cylinders. (laughs) Back when the RDX first debuted, and I think surprised a lot of people because it was a very capable, fast, and comfortable crossover it had it had more than it needed and it's a fantastic used car by it right was, now. And it was
1: different from Honda. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go to the Honda showroom and get anything like the RDX in that era, which is not really true of their current, current lineup. So it's encouraging to see them doing something different like this, bringing the fire back to the Acura brand, if that's at all possible at this point. Really, it's a company that's lost its way in terms of identity, and it's not because they don't have the smarts or the engineering know how to do it. It just seems like the will hasn't been there. So if this is an, the encapsulation of the, their path forward, their, their renewed vigor, in the market, they feel the energy. They feel like they want to be not just another Honda clone. You know, uh, the Accord is such a good sedan; it doesn't make any sense to buy a TLX. And, and if you look at the RDX now and compare it to a CRV,
0: it's so different. They're, it they're
1: very different, and you don't have that same situation. So that's important for Acura. I'm really impressed with it, and not only that, it also looks like a smaller MDX, which is a pretty attractive um, crossover. So wrapping things up for the show. We've talked about all the things that we found to be significant. Is there anything that stands out for you as the must-see if you were coming to the Detroit Auto Show? What would you recommend people check
0: out? I think people need to take a look at that Infinity concept. It's my favorite thing at the show. And I also think that perhaps the Ram is the truck
1: of the show well definitely it's a it's a show about trucks uh trucks 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 mm-hmm. trucks and trucks and in trucks case you weren't tired of saying that word before we had the ranger we had the silverado and we have the ram so this is really a truck smorgasbord is the word i'm going to use if you're in the market for a brand new pickup you should head to detroit because you will see every version of what's out there and what's on its way very soon
0: so I will say thank you for listening, and Ben, thank you for your time, for uh, recording this live on the podcast and messing it up way less than I did. Um, if you want to catch all of our previous podcasts, you can do that at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com, where you can also subscribe to our feeds on your, using your, whatever
1: podcast client you support there. And you can find us on Facebook, Unnamed mm-hmm. Automotive Podcast on Facebook. On Twitter, you can get a hold of Sammy. It's at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. And you can find me at at Hunting Benjamin. Thank you for listening. Trucks.